Our Old Testament lesson this morning comes from Deuteronomy 18, verses 14 through 22, which can be found on page 154 in Pew Bibles, or page 302 in large print. Deuteronomy 18, verses 14 through 22. This is Moses uh, talking to all of the people who have been um, in the wilderness for a very long time, but they're about to go into the promised land, and on the edge of a land. And before they go in, kind of recaps everything that God has told them, what he's brought them through, and gives them words of encouragement and warning for the future. Deuteronomy 18, 14 through 22, before we read, let us pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this day that you have made, and God, we do uh, thank you for your word that you have given to us. We pray that you would give us um, the proper attention to your word, that we would hear what you are saying to us today, that we would not be, um, be surprised when you do the things you told us to do that you told us you would do, and that we would be able to celebrate with you. God, we pray that as we hear this uh, word read and proclaimed today, or that by your word and by your spirit, you would continue to change us into the people that you've created us to be in relationship with you through Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Deuteronomy 18, starting in verse 14. As the nations you will dispossess, listen to those who practice sorcery or divination. But as for you, the Lord your God has not permitted you to do so. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your fellow Israelites. You must listen to him. For this is what you asked of the Lord your God at Horeb on the day of the assembly, when you said, Let us not hear the voice of the Lord our God, nor see this great fire anymore, or we will die. The Lord said to me, What they say is not good, and what they say is good. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their fellow Israelites, and I will put my words in his mouth. He will tell them everything I commanded him. I myself will call to account anyone who does not listen to my words that the prophet speaks in my name. But a prophet who presumes to speak in my name anything I have not commanded, or a prophet who speaks in the name of other gods, is to be put to death. You may say to yourselves, How can we know when a message has not been spoken by the Lord? If what a prophet proclaims in the name of the Lord does not take place or come true, that is a message the Lord has not spoken. That prophet has spoken presumptuously, so do not be alarmed. Turning to our New Testament lesson for this morning, Luke chapter 24, verses 36 through 49. After Jesus has been raised from the dead, he has already appeared to some, and it's later that first Easter evening, it says, uh, while the disciples were still talking about the seeing Jesus alive again, verse 36, while they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. 
They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. He said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones, as you see I have. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and feet. And while they still did not believe it because of joy and amazement, he asked them, Do you have anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it in their presence. He said to them, This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, This is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I am going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. This is the word of the Lord. We have been looking for the last several weeks at the book of Acts as a record of, uh, as Luke tells us in the opening part of the book, it's the record not of what Jesus uh, did before he was raised from the dead, but what he did after he was raised from the dead. And in fact, what he did after he ascended to uh, his Father's right hand, a place of power and uh, glory. Now Jesus, from heaven, is actually active in the life of his church and his people. And so we've been looking at how that, how that looked in those early days. And we've said, you know, if this is how he was working then, how does, how does that affect who we are now and how we relate to God and as individuals and as a church? And, um, and last week, we actually were looking at a story that gives sort of an illustration of one of the ways that it was working at a personal level where Peter and John come up to a man who's sitting at the temple gates, and he can't go in. He's lame in both his feet, has been his whole life long, and he uh, asks them for money, and they don't give him money. They silver or gold, I do not have this, but I do have, I give you in the name of Jesus Christ, Nazareth. Nazareth. <coughs> he gets up, and he walks, and he goes with them into the temple, praising God, jumping around, and wonderful. You need to know that because our passage for the day is people still being amazed about this. And they have seen, they've seen what happened, they don't understand it. Now, have you ever been to, you ever been to a museum with somebody? Looked at paintings? They say a picture is worth a thousand words, right? Have you ever been to a painting with somebody who has just a very different perspective on things than you do? And you go and you look at the painting and you say, oh my goodness, I love this because, and you go through all these reasons, and they look at it and they go, no, that's not what that's about at all. I hate that one. Let me tell you what. And you can be looking at the same thing, come away with a very different understanding of what it's about. Maybe you've done that with uh, movies or TV shows or <laughs> whatever it is. Images and uh, kind of a, a narrative, you can come away with all kinds of different meanings and lessons as to what it's all about. 
already just seen this man be healed. Now you can already probably think of several ways that you could what this means. Alright. Peter and John healed this guy. Therefore, that means these are special guys. They can do amazing things. They must be, you know, like the local magicians or something like that. But that's not right. Okay. Maybe this is the thing. Maybe it's they just healed this guy. Therefore, what this means is now there's not going to be any more any more sickness, any more death. It's all gone away. It's not quite it either. And you can start running through the possible meanings of it. And that's what's going on. Is you have people who have seen the event, but they don't understand it. They don't understand what it was they just saw. What is it supposed to mean? What is going on? How did it happen? And so, picking up in chapter 3, verse 11, it says, while the man held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade, which is still in the temple area, but not in the temple proper. When Peter saw this, he said to them, fellow Israelites, why is this surprising? Why do you stare at us? As if by our own power or godliness we had made this man walk. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. You hand him over to be killed, and you disowned him before Pilate, though he decided to let him go. You disowned the Holy and Righteous One, and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life. But God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name, and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him as you can all see. Now, fellow Israelites, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did your leaders. But this is how God fulfilled what he had foretold through all the prophets, saying that his Messiah would suffer. Repent then, and turn to God, so that your sins may be wiped out, the times of refreshing may come from the Lord, and that he may send the Messiah who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. Heaven must receive him until the time comes for God to restore everything, as he promised long ago through his holy prophets. For Moses said, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own people, and you must listen to everything he tells you. Anyone who does not listen to him will be completely cut off from the people. Indeed, beginning with Samuel, all the prophets who have spoken have foretold these days. And you are heirs of the prophets and of the covenant God made with your fathers. He said to Abraham, Through your offspring, all peoples on earth will be blessed. When God raised up his servant, he sent him first to you to bless you by turning each of you from your wicked ways. This is Peter's explanation of what it was they just saw. They saw a man heal. He's pretty excited. Everybody else is confused. And so they gather around. What is going on? What is going on? And Peter first begins by saying, you shouldn't be wondering. You should not be wondering what's going on because this is what God's been telling you about from all the way back with all the prophets. They've all been saying, this is what's coming. That he was going to send his Messiah and then he sent him. And when he sent him, not only did you not recognize him, but you killed him. You killed the author of life. There's a lot out of the nonsense. 
still be offered a wife. But, God raised him from the dead. This is what's going on. That Jesus, who had been killed by these people, had been raised from the dead, and now had ascended to heaven, and in heaven, is still working for his people. And so when they say, why do you look at us? We're not the ones who healed this guy. Jesus healed this guy. He did it through us, sure. But it's not because of anything special in us. It's because of who he is. And so one of the very first things that, uh, that Peter does is part of this explanation. One is he points everybody to Jesus. So it's not a matter of, you know, we killed this guy and now we're going to set up our healing clinic and just anybody come on in. No. There's nothing about us. It's all about Jesus. That's what's going on here. And so when we see this man healed, it should direct our attention not to the miracle itself, but to the one the miracle points to. And that's what Peter is clear to say. You might not have understood it, but explain it to you. It's all about Jesus. And then, secondly, he says, and you should have known this, because this is what God's been telling you for hundreds of years. But this is coming. So when you see this now, instead of being confused by it, wondering what in the world is going on, you should be saying, this is it. This is what we've been waiting for. This is what we have been excited about and teaching our children about for generations. But they hadn't. And that's the problem. They hadn't been paying attention to what I've been saying. But maybe, not that we would ever be guilty of this, but kind of picking and choosing the parts they liked. And ignoring the rest. And so when they see God doing exactly what he said he was going to do, right in front of them, they don't recognize it. And this is kind of bad news. I don't know if you noticed that. But Peter is speaking to the Jewish people and saying, you are the ones who, first of all, had the scriptures and should have recognized it, but you didn't. Second of all, you're the ones who actually killed the Messiah when he came. That is bad news. We saw what happened in his first sermon uh, when he preached to another group of, uh, of Israelites. And it says, when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Because I understood. This is bad news. We have gotten ourselves into a spot we cannot get out of. But, this is where the message goes from bad news to good news. Peter tells them that this is for, for them. Repent then, and turn to God, so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord, and that he may send the Messiah, and appoint for you, even Jesus. Appointed for you. The very people who killed him are the people he was sent for. The very people who did the worst things imaginable are the very people that Jesus came for. This is good news. That he died for them, and he says, repent then, that your sins may be wiped out. Turn around. Go a different way. 
It goes back through all the scriptures. Moses, Samuel, one who was anointed David, and also Abraham. Going all the way back to Abraham. And the covenant that God originally made. When God says to Abraham, it is through you that all the nations on earth are going to be blessed. And we see that in Jesus. But before we even get there, let me ask you. When you hear the word blessed today, what does that mean? What kinds of things come to mind when you hear that someone is very blessed? That God has blessed somebody in a particular way? Or that you're praying for God's blessing for a particular person? What does that mean? I will tell you, I think what we usually mean is good things on our terms. Does that, does that sound about right? We mean good things on our terms. So to be blessed would mean I was sick, I'm not sick anymore because God blessed me. I was in financial hardship, now I'm not because God blessed me. I had, had, I had a decent amount of things, but now I've got lots of things because God really blessed me. We tend to use the word blessed in those ways. But I want you to see that Peter uses it a little differently. He says, You are heirs of the prophets and of the covenant God made with your fathers. He said to Abraham, Through your offspring, all peoples on earth will be blessed. And he says, When God raised up his servant, he sent him first to you to bless you by turning each of you from your wicked ways. You ever think about blessing in those terms? That the way that God would bless us is by turning us from our wicked ways? It's probably not how we should think about it. And yet, if you really look at it that way, what greater blessing could there be? Than we turn from our wicked ways. The ways that bring us nothing but problems stress and put us out of a good relationship with God and with each other with everyone. We're going to turn us from that. What a blessing. Says, this is what he's done. God raised up his servants and first you bless you by turning each of you from your wicked ways. Um, Martin Lloyd-Jones in a sermon on this passage, talks about the people who tried to get rid of Jesus. And, uh, and how what we see time and again, both when Jesus was first killed, as well as <coughs> all the evidence about him, and the message about him from then on, even until today, that what keeps on happening is people are trying to kill him again. <laughs> In other words, just to get rid of it. Get rid of the evidence about him. Get rid of the message about him. Just shut it up and just be quiet because we don't want to have to face our own sin. We don't want to deal with that. So just, let's get rid of that Jesus guy. One way or another. And he said, and yet, what we see over and over again is, you know, once literally, and then other time in a sort of metaphorical way, is Jesus rising back again. The message coming back again. You see this throughout the book of Acts. 
hear it again one of those times it comes back up. And here's the way I like to think about what he's talking about there. If you've ever tried to hold a, uh, a beach ball underwater, you can get it down for a little bit, but either you wear out or you get your balance off or whatever, it's popping right back up. And this is what we see with Jesus and the message that no matter what kind of forces go against them, no matter who all gets together and decides they're going to get rid of Jesus or his message or his followers, it might appear that it's working for a while, but it never works. Pops right back up again and again and again. And, uh, and yet, what Peter is letting them know is that they're seeing this again right in their midst. That this is not just bad news. It's really good news. And even though they had seen the bad and wanted to get rid of it, it's actually good news even for them. It's also good news for us. And as we see uh, Peter's message being completely about Jesus, this ought to be our message. And we will find ourselves in situations where people will try to minimize Jesus. Put that away. Put the Jesus down. We ought to be those who are paying attention to what God, who God is and what he's been doing. Paying attention to scripture. What he has said. Pay attention to Jesus and how he's working in our lives and the lives of those around us. And let that message just keep coming. Popping up again. No matter how much it gets put down. Up again. Not because we are combated by nature, but because we understand that this is good news even for the people who are trying to suppress it. And if we really love them too, we will want them to know the good news of Jesus. This is the message of Peter back then, and it's the same message.